This is Morning Breath, your drive-time devotion sure to jumpstart your day. Brought to you by East Coast Christian Center. Morning Breath starts now. It does start now. Good morning and welcome to Morning Breath. This is Mark Cook hosting this morning, and we are so glad you're with us on this Wednesday, December 4th. It's a beautiful uh, late fall day here in Florida, and it's the reason we all live in Florida, because it's not, you know, 40 degrees or 30 degrees. It's it's wonderful around here. So we're so glad you're with us. It's, it's We're into December. Uh, it's, it's, it's almost Christmas time. It's the holiday season. Mm-hmm. It's the holiday season. I don't sound like Bing Crosby. <laughs> no. <laughs> I should, Not I, stop now. <laughs> <laughs> that is the voice of my lovely co-host and wife, Angela Cook. How are you doing this morning? Hi, good. She doesn't tolerate me uh, attempting to sing in any way, no. shape, or form. <laughs> one one line is it. Yeah. And then you have to stop because you start a new well, something. Start a new key. New. <laughs> I make up my own keys. There are keys that don't even people don't even know exist in the music world, and I find them. <laughs> <laughs> so we're so glad you guys are with us. This is Morning Breath, the drive time devotion, sure to jumpstart your day. We read a chapter of the Bible. Uh, we read it the night before. We read it the morning of. We come down here to the studios at East Coast Christian Center in Maryland. We read it on the air, and then we talk about whatever God is breathing on. Hence the name Morning Breath. It's a great way for you to be uh, doing your uh, Bible study with us, reading your Bible with us. I say I say all the time. When people, uh, it's a very common thing for people to say, I'm just not really sure how to read my Bible because it's big and it can be intimidating. Morning Breath is phenomenal. It's the best thing for you to be able to join with us. We'll read it with you. We'll give you a chapter-by-chapter guide so that you can know what we're going to read. You can read it with us and then listen to what we talk about. It's a great, great tool, uh, no matter where you are in your walk with the Lord. So, You can get on our website at eccc.us. You can also download the podcast on your smartphone. Um, you could also call 321-452-1060 and ask the operator um, to get you out a morning breath guide, which everything is on our podcast. It's the best way to do it. Um, check out our app or our website um, to see what's going on at East Coast. Follow our YouTube page to see current and past sermons. Um, Again, our podcast is so fully loaded with everything you could possibly need. I actually just showed you the other day how you can push the little watch and listen. Yeah, it's down there at the bottom of the app. Yeah, listen to all the past sermons, current series. It's wonderful. If you maybe missed a week, you can catch up. Um, listen to the sermon from the week before. Yeah, there's all kinds of good stuff in there. But you need a morning breath guide so you know what chapter we're going to be in, and that's how you get one. A few things happening. we got Christmas on the Parkway coming up. It's Friday, this coming Friday, December 6th from 6 to 9 here on our Merritt Island campus. It's basically just a big Christmas winter festival. We have snow brought in. We have snow slides. We have bounce houses. We have forts where you can make snowballs and have (laughs) snowball fights and uh, kids get in there and start winging snowballs all over the place. We have concessions. It's just going to be a, a ton of fun. There's always a bunch of people. It's a Really, there's nothing like it uh, that I've seen anywhere no. in the area, and uh, so it's amazing. So you should come. It's from 6 to 9 on Friday. We hope you'll be here. Also, we've got Shred the Halls coming up. That's a Metal Church Christmas party. If you're not familiar with East Coast Metal Church, that's Pastor Kevin Radlin. He's got a great ministry that he's doing. Uh, if you're a metalhead, uh, current or former metalhead, uh, you would have a lot of fun at Metal Church. And you know what? They preach the gospel, so it's really good. That'll be on uh, December 7th. Uh, that is Saturday at 7 p.m. And we're just right around the corner from 2020. Yeah, New Year's coming, 2020. Yeah. Refocus. we got devotionals uh, coming out, all kinds of good stuff to help you get ready to, to roll into the new year. Yeah. We have a really long chapter. We do. You keep looking at me like, hurry yeah. up. Yeah. No, I just know how long this chapter is. <laughs> 58 We verses. don't usually have, you know, we have every once in a while there will be a chapter like this thrown in there. And there's yeah. a lot of stuff in this chapter today. Yeah. We're in 1 Corinthians 
chapter 15, getting close to the end of the letter. So uh, we've got, uh, like we said, 58 verses, and uh, there's generally, like, there's a kind of a good break right after verse 28, starting verse 29. So do you want to read first, and then I'll read from verse 29? Sure. Okay. Then in, uh, I'm reading the New King James. What are you reading? I'm reading the New Living Translation. Okay, good. That'll probably be helpful because sometimes it really clears some things up that maybe isn't clear in some other verses <laughs> and other translations. <laughs> 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 All right. I All will right. get you started in morning breath fashion. I say unto you, Angela Cook, read, ma'am. Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is the good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believed something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important and what also had been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day. Just as the scripture said, he was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me and not without results. For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles, yet it was not I but God who was working through me by his grace. So it makes no difference whether I preach or they preach, for we all preach the same message you have already believed. But tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest, then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. After that, the end will come when he will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. For Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. For the scriptures say, God has put all things under his authority. Of course, when it says all things are under his authority, that does not include God himself, who gave Christ his authority. Then, when all things are under his authority, the Son will put himself under God's authority, so that God, who gave his Son authority over all things, will be utterly supreme over everything, everywhere. Verse 29, otherwise, what will they do who are baptized for the dead if the dead do not rise at all? Why then are they baptized for the dead? Why do we stand in judgment, I'm sorry, why do we stand in jeopardy every hour? I affirm by the boasting in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. If in the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage is it to me? If the dead do not rise, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness and do not sin, for some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. But someone will say, how are the dead raised up, and with what body do they come? 
Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he pleases, and to each seed its own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of animals, another of fish, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star differs from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And is the heaven, as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Now this I say, brethren, that, the, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Amen. Amen. Man, there's a lot of stuff in this chapter. Um, there's several kind of an underlying written. theme, though. Oh, for sure there yeah. is. I do want to just very briefly touch on something, and it's not going to really necessarily be super helpful, but at the same time, it might be a little <laughs> <Yay>. bit. <laughs> well, there's this weird verse in verse 29. It says, otherwise, what would they do who are baptized for the dead? If the dead do not rise at all, why then are they baptized for the dead? What does that say in yours in the NLT? Or If the dead will be will not be raised, what point is there in people being baptized for those who are dead? Why do it unless the dead will someday rise again? So this is weird. And I'll be honest with you, when you when you look at that, it when you look at that verse and then you look at the scholarship where people are trying to unwind that verse, no nobody really has a clear answer that says this is exactly what Paul meant because we just really don't know. Well, but when you think about baptism when you, I think about being baptized, you're buried in, with life in Christ, raised to walk in newness of life. So if there's what he's saying through this whole thing is if there's no resurrection, what's the point? Sure. So to me, that's just reiterating that same point. It like is. When I read that, that's what to me. So what's the point in going around baptizing in the name of Christ? Right. And I mean, that's a pretty like. Well, it says, what will they do who are baptized for the dead? What does that mean? Who's being baptized for the dead? We don't know what that means. It's like a, it's like a weird, um, it's a weird phrasing, and I was actually doing some research on it, which I've actually I've kind of tried to do some research on it before because it's weird, because there's actually in some weird places there's some doctrines that have been based on this, and you, and oh. and you don't want to base a doctrine on something that's not clear, 
A, this really doesn't show up anywhere else in the Bible, to my knowledge. Um, and so there's not enough there. You don't have two or three witnesses to really build something on, and you can go way off the deep end. We don't know what Paul was talking about. We don't know what the Corinthians were actually doing. Um, and so I would just tell you that scholars don't always understand everything that these guys wrote. We don't understand everything that they meant all the time. This is kind of an odd phrasing, um, and we we can't really... We can't really determine it, and so therefore we should not be building any kind of a doctrine on it and going around getting baptized for our Uncle Johnny who Yeah, died. I guess nor—oh, yeah. <laughs> I see. So there's there's doctrine that points to people being baptized for dead people. Right. Okay, no. And to me, that just—maybe my simple mind mm-hmm. just read that and thought—I felt like in context all it was saying was— we're doing this practice of baptism. Even Jesus was baptized. Sure. There was a lot of, sim- if I look at, if everything points to Jesus and I were to think about what ha- how Jesus was baptized and I read this, to me, it makes sense. Like, yeah, what's the point in getting baptized if there, if Jesus really never was resurrected? If Because the whole, Jesus's resurrection guarantees our resurrection. Sure. So there's no reason to go around being baptized if we don't truly believe. And you do, and really, and even now, our own faith and in our own doctrines and our own practices, we baptize after salvation. Salvation isn't baptism. Right. And a lot of people... Some people even have a doctrine of that. Sure. And so I just looked at it from I never I didn't know there was a doctrine based on this verse though. And so it's not like a rampant one, but that verse is no. in there. And I wanted to just at least say, hey, we know this verse is in here, and we know that it's very very much unclear and it's confusing. And sometimes that's that's just the case. But in context, I felt it, like maybe my simple brain, point. yeah, my and I think sometimes when you come to Jesus with childlike faith, and I guess I'd be simple minded in it, like being simple about it, it hey, yeah, that makes sense. Why would I go get baptized if if Jesus if none of this is real, what is the point? Right. If none of that, you know, and this whole chapter is about solidifying that Christ died and was resurrected. Yes. And that's <laughs> and that's the key. And that's, so let's jump into that. That's yeah. really what we're talking about here. I love the the fact that that Paul really just lays out the gospel clearly. So if you're what does it mean to believe in Jesus? Well, in verse 3 uh, I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that A, Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, B, he was buried, and C, he rose again on the third day. You know, it says in Romans 10, 9, and 10, how, what's the, how do you get saved? It says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe, believe in your, your heart, heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Yeah. This is the gospel in a nutshell right here in verses 3 and 4. Um, but then it goes on to say, so Jesus was raised from the dead. How do we know? Well, he was seen by Cephas, which is Peter, and the twelve. And after that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once. And, it, and he goes on to say, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. Some have died, but of the 500 people, most of them are still alive. Why is it important that Paul mentions that? Because if he was not, if he was just saying that and it wasn't true, one of those three or 400 people or all of them could be like, that's not true. We never saw it. We don't. Right, that's a decent, that's a good sized group of people. Yeah. That's not, that'd be like a Sunday service here in the parkway. Yeah. You know, you have all the people sitting in that. If you had two or, if you, me and Nick were sitting in this room and we, you claimed something, Nick and I could be like, well, I don't know what the heck you're talking about. But if there were 500 of us, sure, there's no way all 500 of those people could come together and decide we're going to discredit this person. Yeah. But, Two of us could easily do that. Sure. We may not have seen what you did, or very easy. Yeah. So, so this is when you when we talk about the scholarship and, and the 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 support, the historical support that the gospel has. 
Uh, it's not just a handful of guys that got together and made up this fantastic story. Uh, it's There's lots of people that saw the risen Lord and verified and testified of it, and Paul wrote about it during the time that they were alive. So if they had read this letter and said, hey, this isn't true, we never saw him alive, they could have called that out, and it would have it would have impacted the ability for this letter of the Corinthians to be um, taken seriously and to have made it you know, all the way to the point that it's in our Bible. So those kind of things are very important. Um, understanding that there is there is good support. There is very, very strong support. Historically, uh, there's really some of the best possible support that you can have when you do historical study to verify something that has happened. Uh, the gospel story has some of the strongest support for it. Yeah. These letters were written um, very close to the time right after this happened so that all you know the witnesses were still alive when this was going on and they could have spoken up and said no this isn't true and they didn't right. um, and so that that is a key that is a key uh, to being able to step out and say you know what this is true you know and if and, and it goes on to say you know Paul talks about you know just talking about establishing the validity of this um, where is the part where he says, uh, where where he's talking about you know I'm I'm basically laying down my life for this thing, mm-hmm. um, uh, it's the part it's actually near that he says uh, why do we stand in jeopardy every hour in verse thirty, he's talking about his own ministry and 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 the Christians living in these cultures that were hostile to what they believed and and he talked about you know fighting with the beast in Ephesus not that necessarily he did but that some people were people were being you know martyred for the gospel if this was something that they were making up they wouldn't go that far with it. At some point, if you're making up a story and it's just a big lie that you're trying to somehow profit from, and then they start feeding you to the lions, pretty soon you're going to be like, okay, it was just, we were lying. <laughs> There's obviously no money in this. I'm not going to die for a lie. Why mm-hmm. do we stand in jeopardy every hour? If Paul was making this up, if he hadn't seen Jesus and had his life radically changed, why did he live in a way that he was jailed and beaten and, and you know, constantly put through the ringer for the gospel? Because he did see Jesus, because it was true, because he was seen by 500 um, and all the apostles. And these guys are laying down their lives for something, uh, not that they made up, uh, but that was true. And they gave up everything. They gave up all their possessions. They gave up their lives for the gospel. It's incredible support for the truth of the gospel that we can be confident in. Yeah, I like how... Um throughout this chapter too. I like how at first he he starts out the chapter with, um, it is the good news that saves you if you continue to believe. He was basically saying, hey, I'm glad to see that you're still believing. You know, mm. and there were maybe some who weren't, he said, but I'm glad to see that you still stand firm. Because if you remember at the beginning of 1 Corinthians, um, he was really struggling saying, what in the world is going on with you? I came, I left, you guys were doing really good. And now I'm coming back and having to give you milk. Mm-hmm. I'm having to treat you like babies again. Um, and in this chapter, I feel like he start, he even the content of the chapter starts to get more involved and more intensive. And he starts talking about, I love where he starts going into um, Adam in the first Adam and then the second. Yeah. I love how he starts getting into that because also at the very beginning of his letters, to the Corinthians, he spoke to them about the dangers of living in the flesh versus living in the spirit. And he just, and if you look at 1 Corinthians 13 and 14, he unpacks what it looks like to live in the spirit. And so I love how he reiterates that here, um, that there, we are still man, we are still flesh, but we are now spirit. And if it weren't for the resurrection of the body of Christ, we wouldn't have that truth to live on. Yeah. And so I love that he brings that around. And to me, it was more, it's more meat. 
Yes. We're not in the milk so much now. We went through 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, now into 15. We're really getting into some meat. Yeah. And so, I love that. Yeah, some core, some core stuff that really you need to understand that, you know, in Adam is where all sin came from, and in Adam we die, but and then the second Adam was Jesus, and he was born again and from the dead, raised from the dead, the firstborn from the dead. And so he talks about this resurrection concept and what's the resurrection body, and he goes through all these examples of, you know, how you, you, sow, uh, you sow one thing, but then you reap another, and it's better. And, and what's the picture of that? Well, it's Jesus. Mm-hmm. We can go back to the Gospels and look at what Jesus was like after he was raised from the dead, and he was totally different. In a lot of cases, uh, people didn't recognize what he looked like at first, um, and then he would do things like just suddenly appear in a room, uh, a room that was completely <laughs> closed. You know, the doors were closed. It was a walled-in room, and suddenly there he is in the midst of them. Showing that he's yeah. spirit. But then he, in that same section, he said, well, do you have some food? And he ate food. And right. he said, And he said, you know, do you think I'm a ghost? Ghosts don't have flesh and bones, as you see. It, it was so the resurrection body. We just got a glimpse of what that is uh, with Jesus walking around, but it seems pretty incredible. Uh, it can it can magically appear and disappear. It can, but it has flesh and bone. It can eat, um, but I don't think it has to. I mean, it's just an incredible picture. And so he's talking about what our body is. You sow, you know, you sow a, a seed and it turns into a tree. You sow a grain and it turns into food. Uh, but it, so what you sow when you sow this body. These bodies that we have, these are the corruptible bodies. They're going to break down. They're going to die because these bodies that we're in are Adam. They're dust. They're from dust. You know, dust you came and dust you were and dust you'll return to. Um, But when we're raised again, we're raised in incorruption, in an incorruptible body, because we're raised up by an incorruptible seed, um, which is the Word of God. It lives and abides forever. And so it's just, you know, at that point, death is swallowed up. And there's so much hope in this, because he says, if if this doesn't happen, then we don't have hope, but it does happen. So in verse 54, when when corruptible has put on incorruption, when we've been raised, and this mortal has put on immortality, then there's not going to be, you know, an end a second time. Then shall be brought to pass the saying, death is swallowed up in victory. Death, where is your sting? Hades, where is your victory? You know, um, we've experienced, uh, and we were talking about this, a lot of death in our, (laughs) you know, our family, loved ones passing on, um, sometimes, you know, unexpectedly, you know, you kind of play in your life and then all of a sudden somebody dies and and, uh, it's just, it changes things. But you have to have this hope. I was thinking about uh, some friends that we know um, who lost a son years ago. And you see a lot of times when a, when a married couple loses a child, that's uh, one of the things that happens with alarming um, uh, regularity after that is that they get divorced mm-hmm. because the hurt and the pain, they don't know how to cope with it and deal with it, and they end up, you know, they end up breaking apart. This couple's marriage is, is so strong, and they are so strong in the faith because they understand these truths. And when, we, when they would talk to us about it and tell us about it, they, when you understand that that we have Jesus as our living hope, that we have the we have the demonstration and the expectation of what it looks like to be raised up. And we've seen that Jesus is raised up. And if, like Paul said, if he's not raised up, then we don't have any hope, but he has been raised up. We've seen it. And so we have an eternal hope that when someone dies, that is just a temporary thing. And they are going to be raised up in something that is so much more infinitely better, and it's the same hope that we have for ourselves. And so it doesn't have to be just a, a silly platitude. We say, oh, well, we'll see him again one day. Sometimes that feels empty. Yeah. But if you really understand the word, it's not. I like in the New Living Testament, verse 51 says, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. 
we will not all die, but we all will be transformed, exclamation point. It will happen in a moment in the blink of an eye. And I think I like that wording. Let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. Mm. And that's something that God has to reveal to our hearts. And we will not all die, but we will all be transformed. And we are, when you believe in the resurrection of Christ, you are currently being transformed even before you are in the ground or in an urn, you are being transformed if you are in Christ. And that's something to take from all of this. It's not just waiting for death. And many Christians get caught up in just waiting for death. Oh, well, one day I'll be transformed. No, your transformation starts now. When you ask Jesus into your heart, when you say, I believe this, that is when your transformation starts. Yes, and I'm so glad you brought that up because I was just thinking that as you were saying it. The transformation is already beginning. The gospel is a gospel of transformation. It is a gospel of life change. We are being transformed into the image of Jesus from glory to glory right now. That's what the transformation is. It's not the transformation to just a better job or a better place in life. Death has already been defeated. It's a transformation into the image of Jesus. We'll be right back after this break. You are listening to Morning Breath from East Coast Christian Center, Merritt Island, Vieira, and Coco. Need a fence professionally done the first time? Hercules and Atlas Fence, owned and operated by Mike Green, has been certified since 1960. No job is too small or too big. Hercules and Atlas Fence, 321-258-9853. Or visit us online at ineedafencenow.com. People often say kids are like sponges. Their powerful young minds will soak up anything and everything. This is true, especially during their toddler years, which is why it is important that they be in a fun, friendly, God-centered learning environment like East Coast Christian Academy. We offer activities in the areas of social, emotional, physical, and spiritual to guide those minds toward all that they were created to be. Contact Cindy Smith for more information at 453-KIDS. That's 453-5437. Langston Commercial Real Estate, owned by Scott Langston, a senior commercial broker, has been selling real estate and giving free consultations for over 18 years. Scott Langston will show you the best way to buy, invest, or lease commercial property. 321-403-1111. That's 321-403-1111. TNT, the new thing, church for the fired up teenager. Come out for a night of worship, growth, and good times. Every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. at East Coast Christian Center. For more information, call 452-1060, extension 149. For frequent updates and events, check us out on Facebook and Instagram. East Coast Vieira meets every week at Vieira High School at 915 and 1045. With a high energy and dynamic children's ministry for all ages, East Coast Vieira Youth meets every Sunday night at 6 p.m. For more information or to learn more, our website is vieira.eccc.us. Welcome back to the show. This is Morning Breath. Welcome back to the show. I want to point out a couple of quick verses as we close here. Verse 56 says, The sting of death is sin, but the strength of sin, I'm sorry, and the strength of sin is the law. I want to just point out very quickly that the law strengthens (laughs) sin. You know, when you when you try to live under religion and you try to relate to God based on your performance, that's what strengthens sin in your life. The more you focus on the thou shalt not, the more you're likely to do it. And then you become judgmental and then you become religious. Law strengthens sin. 
But the gospel of Jesus Christ being preached, the, the truth of grace being preached, is what gives you the power to overcome sin. Paul said in Romans um, that we are not under the law, we are under grace, and therefore sin has no dominion over us yeah. be- because of grace, not yeah. because of the law. The law, you, you start you start hammering people with the thou shalt nots, you're going to lead to more sin because the law brings strength to sin. Yeah. Um, he gave us victory over sin and death through Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, and that's what's so important to remember, that religion is not going to help you live a holy life. Grace is going to help you. And then it says, uh, if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins, verse 17. But Christ is risen. And so the other side of that verse is, you are not still in your sins if your faith is in Jesus. Amen. If your faith is in Jesus, you're not a sinner. You are the righteousness of God in him. He has been raised and we have an incorruptible hope. That's so good. Go into your day knowing that you're full of hope. Hope is a confident expectation of good. Believe it. Thank you for listening to Morning Breath from East Coast Christian Center. We hope to see you at one of our locations this weekend. For additional information, such as service times, events, and more, please visit us at eccc.us. Thanks, and we hope you have a blessed day.